Lord, we celebrate salvation every day. Amen. We are saved. We are in the day of our salvation every single day that we live. And we thank you for that. We bless you. We praise you. We thank you, Lord, to uh, just open our hearts, anoint our ears. Thank you, Lord, for opening us up to hear your message today. Everything you tell us is important, God, and we thank you so much for it, and we bless you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen, and praise God, amen, praise God. So we're going to talk today about the fact that time is on your side, amen, time is on your side, God has de, uh, he ordained time to help us, and time is always on our side. Let me tell you whose side is not on. Ah, uh, the devil. The Bible says he has great wrath because he knows his time is short. So he has a knowledge of the fact that his time will expire uh, very soon. And so uh, that's why he does the things that he does. Sometimes we, we look and we think, well, can the world get any worse? And then you hear something that's actually worse than it was the last time. Uh, not only are people um, killing babies in the womb, they do it by dismembering them. So they pick them apart in the womb. They have to count all the pieces. And many people have not known this. And I think God is pulling the wool off of um, a lot of the uncleanness that's going on being sanctioned by people. And, uh, and it is sanctioned by we the people because if we, we put people in office who do these things and we are sanctioning it, they represent us. And so we have to reverse this because you know it is murder. Everybody who, who has half a brain knows that it's murder. You can mince words about when life starts all you want to, but it's murder. Amen. And so when we understand that God is the author of life and he does not give man authority to take life away. Amen. Now God had put his law in, in the, in the uh, Bible, but it's, when it says thou shalt not kill, it means thou shalt not commit murder. So there's a penalty for murder. Amen. We know people get killed in self-defense. We know people get killed accidentally, and God made provision for that. If you read into the Bible, you'll see he made provision for every type of life that was taken. But he does say that if man sheds blood by man's hand, if man sheds blood, then man's blood will be required. Amen. So God does not let the shedding of innocent blood go unpunished. And so uh, if if we will turn away from our wicked ways and turn back to God, then he will have mercy on us and he will pardon us. And, and, but we have to go on and live better. We have to correct those things. You can't continue to do them and think God just blanket forgives you and you keep going and doing. He forgives in order and he cleanses. So if he cleanses you, that means you don't have a desire to do wrong anymore. This is just very simple. But, but if, if God is requiring that we, we repent, he has to uncover the wrong in things. And so I remember it's been almost maybe close to two years ago, God gave us that prophecy of Rejoice Detroit that he was, he was, uh, um, kicking up dust. He was coming in a whirlwind and just wait till the dust settles. 
you know, to see what God's really doing and how he's sorting things out. So the dust is beginning to settle, but it's still being kicked up. There are a lot of things that are yet to be revealed uh, in all kinds of areas of life. And so God wants us to to always be attentive to what he's doing in the earth so that when we look at the time that we are spending, you've got to spend your time wisely. And if you don't understand what God's doing, you will just go on like the Bible says, when the Son of Man will return, will he find faith? And it talks about people will be marrying and giving in marriage and going on planning life like they always have no regard for what time it is. You got me? And so, uh, and that is not to say that if, if you want to get married, you can't. But what it's saying is that, that people are going to go about life as usual without being mindful that time is drawing to a close. And so we have to live each day as believers as though we don't have a lot of time left. Amen? Because we don't really know the day or the hour that the Lord will come, but he has given us work to do until he gets here. And that is to occupy on his behalf, to go forth, preaching and teaching the gospel of the kingdom to all who will hear, making disciples out of all men. And that means not just getting them saved and and letting them go, but make disciples out of all men. God wants people to learn about him so that they can be blessed, just like we are. And so there's a lot of work here to do. And God wants us to know that time is on our side. But we will have to respect time and understand what time is for. So we're going to talk about the fact that we are being tested by time. Time is a tester. Man, time is your tester. Time passage is necessary for several purposes. Man, when we turn to Hebrews 6... And in verse 9, I think. He says, but beloved, we are persuaded better things of you. He's talking about people who fall away from the faith. But we're, he says, we're, we are persuaded better things of you. And things that accompany salvation through we thus speak, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. If you're working for God, for him to forget you and what you've sown and what you've done and what you've given, that would make him unrighteous. So we have to judge God righteous in all things. You understand what I'm saying? He has not forgotten you. Amen. What happens is many times we forget God. We don't put him up front and close like we're supposed to continually. He wants that continual first place in our lives. But he says he's not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name in this, in that you have ministered to the saints. And do minister. Amen. So that's our first priority is to the household of faith. And so he wants us to keep that connection 
with his people that we we understand where God's heart is. If his people are neglected, he can't get anything done down here. So we must take care of one another first. You got me? I mean before family, before husband, children, friends, job, co-workers, whatever it is you think you're loyal to. He wants us to take care of the household of faith first. And he says, and we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. In other words, do it and keep doing it and don't quit and just keep doing it. If God's assigned you a job in the church, just keep doing it. You know, everybody claims to be tired of this and tired of that. I I should be able to do this sometime and I need a break and I need this and I need that. No, people don't get paid for taking breaks. If you got a job, they deduct for your lunch hour unless they give you 20 minutes. I've seen jobs like that. The most they'll give you free is 20 minutes to eat your lunch and scarf it down real quick. That's on the boss's clock. But if you're going to take a break, they're going to dock you for that. You don't get paid when you don't work. Amen. And so God is not your break is is in God. If you need a break, you you take a break in the spirit. You you take a little a little breather here, a little breather there. Amen. Because you get docked for them. People don't like to hear that. I don't really care. It's you know. We want to make up God to be any kind of way. See, we want God to be faithful when we need something. <laughs> but we don't want to be faithful back. But God is a just God. If he gives you something without restraining, he wants you to give him back without restraining. Why would he take less from you and he's willing to give so much? Doesn't even make sense. A just God wouldn't even think like that. All them poor things down there. They just, you know, life is so hard for them. No, he ain't thinking like that. Now you can just cut that out. That's not God. Amen. He expects faithfulness. He does. If you say you're going to do something, you get on up and do it and do it faithfully. You know, everybody's looking for a time when they can stop and, and go in, in sin and backslide. That's usually what happens. You stop serving God, you go sin and backslide. But if you keep, if you want to continue to be blessed by God, you're going to have to show Him faithfulness, just like He is faithful to us. And so He says that He wants us to keep that mindset with full assurance of hope unto the end. That means without quitting. That you be not slothful, but followers of them who, through faith and patience, Inherit the promises of God. So time is on your side. Because it's through faith and patience. Patience is your time factor. So through faith over time is what he's saying. See patience is the fruit of the spirit that sustains you through the waiting period. Or through the growing period. Or through the uh, growth period of your promise. Through the testing period. So patience sustains your life through that. You can't live without the nine fruit of the spirit sustaining your spiritual life. You can't do it. 
And so God has to provide for us during times of drought. He has to provide for us through times of sickness. He has to provide for us during times of lack. He has to provide for us. And so he knows that your faith is not instant. So while you're waiting for your promise to be completed, he gives you the fruit of the spirit to sustain you. You gotta live. You gotta live through patience. You gotta live with, uh, kindness. You gotta live with gentleness. You gotta live with meek, meekness. You gotta live with all the fruit of the Spirit. If you're testy and angry and upset because you don't want to wait, uh, you gotta have a gentle spirit to come over you so that you can be sustained. Or you blow up. You walk away from God and not want to serve Him anymore. You do all those crazy things that you have in your mind to do that the devil's prompting you to do. Because he wants you to get good and stupid. So you can waste more time. See, anything spent, any time spent out of the spirit is a waste of time. I'm going to say it again. Any time spent out of the spirit is a waste of time. Time is on your side when you live in the spirit, not in the flesh. You need to learn how to enjoy your life in the spirit. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care if you're at an amusement park. I don't care if you're at a restaurant. I don't care if you're at a ball game. You can stay in the spirit while you're enjoying those things. The problem with a lot of people is they don't know how to enjoy life until they get over in the flesh. That's why you see Christians backslide so quickly because they get over in the flesh. They want to do something that sounds uh, like fun to them. And it's a carnal desire. They don't know how to repent and turn that over into a, a spiritual thing or renounce and say, God, just take that away from me. That's not what I want. I want to enjoy my life by the spirit the way you want me to enjoy it. And and you can grow and you can learn from that. If we will do those things, then waiting on the promises won't hurt us so much. You'll be over in the spirit with God where it's all good. It's all peaceful. It's all wonderful. Everything is the way God wants it to be in our lives because we are living a life in the spirit. The devil likes to pull you out and say, oh, if God's with you, how come you don't have this? And how come you don't have that? That's the old devil lack. A devil, I got everything. You the one who ain't got nothing. (laughs) If you really want to talk about Lack. (laughs) That's your first name. (laughs) Lack devil. Lack Satan. Lack Lucifer. Lucifer lack. Amen. You're the one who's broke. That's why you're always trying to steal from me. He wouldn't try to steal from us if we didn't have wealth already. Huh? There wouldn't be anything to steal if if we didn't have wealth. We didn't have an inheritance. He wouldn't be trying to steal. Amen. Because he sees our treasure long before we do. He's trying to keep us from finding it out. So God tests your faith. And really a testing is, is we are, he is really testing your confidence in him. So the testing of your faith is really testing your faith in God. Do you really believe he's going to do what he says he's going to do? Or are you going to walk around upset about everything? And so when you understand that God is testing you to see if you believe him or if you consider him trustworthy, 
that puts a whole different slant on things because you're not you're not really on trial so to speak to see how much you'll confess the word to see if you won't miss a day reading the word to see if you'll get up every morning and go through your confession and you're this and you're that but you're really God is really testing you to see if you trust him in spite of what you see in spite of if you don't see anything do you really trust him do you trust him if he says he's going to do something do you really believe he's going to do it and so when you're tested things will come into your life that will challenge what you are believing God for they just have to this has to be this way because these are temptations to walk away from God to walk away from the promises now I know everybody thinks oh, I don't do that well, we'll see you know you'll have plenty of time to prove it you have ample opportunity to prove what you say you believe amen because God don't believe nothing until he sees you do it he doesn't believe you believe anything until he sees you do it hmm and so it's in the doing of things that our faith is proven, folks. It's in what you do every day. It's in what you say when situations come up. It's in to whom you turn when things, when you have a need. It's about your trust in Him. So we are, our, our faith is tested in God. Amen. The time, the passage of time is necessary for several purposes. Number one, it's to test our faith in God. That's what the passage of time does. Number two, it establishes that God is not unjust. Because everybody's carnal mind believes he is. Let's see, we can all sit here in a spiritual mind and have all kind of peace, all kind of, but when your carnal mind pops up and gives you doubt, it's really saying that God is not just. He's not righteous. Amen? That's what it's saying. And so the testing of our faith and the passage of time gets it established in our hearts that God is a just God. Amen? And the more time that passage passes, the more we'll have to lean into believing that he is a just God. At the end of every goofy thought that comes, but God, I trust you because you're a righteous God. You're just God. You're not a liar. You're not cheating me. You're going to do what you say you're going to do. And that's the way we live. Amen. You don't let the devil plant these ideas and build a nest in your hair. You know what I'm saying? You must fight these things on a thought level, on a heart level. And on a confession level. Number three, uh, number two, well, we established, number two, it establishes that God is not unjust, but faithful and worthy of our trust. In other words, we don't trust him in a grudging fashion anymore. Well, I found out that Jesus can't fight God. You know, that's not, see, that's more a grudging, you know, you might trust him just by default. You just give up and, and cave in. He doesn't want that all the time. He'll accept it if it's the best you can do. Because everybody starts out a crazy baby. You no know, screaming for everything. 
thinking that, you know, babies scream just as loud when you've been feeding them for nine months as they do when they first get here, pretty much. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they got to holler for it. And so we got to think that we, we can't just holler for everything all the time. We, the Bible says in, in quietness and confidence is your strength. And so God wants to graduate us to a quiet confidence so that we're not, see the, the, the more vocal you are in your disappointment, the more you hinder your own faith. The more vocal you are in your disappointment, the more you hinder your own faith. What that means is that if you start confessing, I don't know what's going on here. And I don't know when is this going to change. When is that? You have actually spoken words out that are preparing a pathway in your life. So you're preparing a pathway for further disappointment to come to you if you are vocal about your disappointments. And you need to just repent in your heart and say, God, you know what? I don't know why I'm sitting here going on and on like this. You're still a faithful God. Please forgive me and let me get my heart right so that my words are right, that my speaking's right, my thinking's right. I want to have fellowship with you. I don't want to fellowship with my doubts and my fears and all this kind of stuff. I want fellowship with you. And so if we can do that and cultivate a healthy spiritual atmosphere for our thought life, we'll have greater fruit. We have, I won't say the answer will come faster, but I know you'll feel a whole lot better. If it's delayed any longer <laughs> in that you've cultivated an atmosphere where your spirit can be strong. And so that's what we need to do. We need to cultivate a healthy spiritual atmosphere. And God will find comfort with us. He will abide with us. His presence will go with us. His power will be with us continually. Amen. On a continual basis. <laughs> We'll find the answers of God are very, very near. They're very near, very close to us because of that. Amen. And so you have to, you have to do these things on purpose. They can't be an accident. You have to purpose in your heart that you're going to walk close to God and live close to God, not let go of his hand. I don't care what happens, what goes on. You just continue with him. Also, um, and okay, so number two, it establishes that that God is not unjust but faithful and worthy of our trust. Number three, we must be diligent unto the end. So the passage of time assures that we will be diligent unto the end. So the testing of time. Our diligence is being tested. Our trust of God and our, our heart 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 uh, condition toward God are being tested. And our faith in God has been tested. Amen. <clears throat> the Bible talks about trials that we go through as being fiery. First Peter 4, if you'll turn there. First Peter 4, I think it starts in 12, we'll see. We'll start in 11. It says, if any man speak, 
let him speak as the oracles of God. You know what that means? <laughs> Not your words, but God's words come out of your mouth. In other words, don't ever have self-interest in what you speak. Speak as the oracles of God. If any man ministers, let him do it as of the ability which God gives, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion. You know, Paul couldn't mention the name of Jesus without going off into a praise. You've noticed that in the epistles to the point they was blessed forever. Amen. You know, he just goes off in a praise here and there. Beloved, think it not strange concerning. Now, this is not strange. In other words, this is not worthy of your commenting. It's not worthy of your complaining. It's not worthy of your fearful thoughts, staying up all night, worrying, haranguing, yada, 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 yada. It's not worthy of that. So it's these are fiery trials, but they're not unique and unusual is what he's saying. Amen. He said, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try who? Yeah, not God, you. You're on trial. Amen. You're being tried as to to what you think about God. As though some strange thing happened to you. In other words, don't. (laughs) Let me tell you what's going on. This is not strange. This is not, you know. Now you have to be careful how you speak to people. Because if they're in a a snit already, you know, they want to get mad at you. So, you know, you just let people speak. And at the end say, why don't we pray? And, (laughs) you know, I learned how to do that. Well, let's pray and see what God wants to do here. I know he wants to help you. Not sure what he wants to do, but I'll pray and see if we can find out. You understand what I'm saying? And um, don't go off and pray what you think in your mind, but let the Spirit of God start to, you know, give you what to pray. You know what I'm saying? Is this, That's what he's saying here. If you're going to minister, do it according to the ability that God gives not your uh, dear Abby advice column or you know or what you would do if you was dim or what you did and you screwed up your life you know what I'm saying you do it he said do it minister uh, just give God's words if he don't give you specific words pray the word of God you know what I'm saying you always pray the word of God and so uh, you know and just say well Lord your word says Whatever applies to that situation and we just, you got me? Now if you don't know what the word says in them situations, you're a little stuck. But you know it because you've been praying prayers. If somebody's sick, God your word says that by your stripes this person's healed. I thank you for healing them in Jesus name and just move on. Don't try to give them a prophecy. Don't, you know. Come on, y'all. This, this keep quit playing games here and just go ahead. Like he said, speak as the oracles of God. Like give what God gives you, no more, no less. Minister as of the ability that God gives. Amen. Not, not you're trying to build up a reputation for yourself off your one gift. Amen. So let's keep it moving. And 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 it, it, that God gives, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So you're trying to bring glory to God. This isn't about you. Again, 
And so he says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But do what? Now you'll see this over and over in the epistles. And if those people can tell you to rejoice doing a fiery trial, then you need to rejoice. Because we don't have nearly the trouble out of the government that they had. Amen. We didn't get thrown to, we have, well not yet, we haven't, I don't believe we will, if we pray we won't be. But, but you don't have that kind of trouble that they had, but they rejoiced anyway. They rejoiced even when they were, were fed to the lions. Why? Because they knew that it was going to be a test that God would be with them in. He's with you in every test. Amen? He says, in inasmuch that you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. In other words, you haven't been through as much as he went through. You're just getting a little bit of it. That when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with his seating joy. So you can have joy in process and you can have joy at the end. That's what he wants you to do. He wants you to start rejoicing in the midst of the trial. Because when you rejoice, I'll tell you what joy actually does to you. I I have some notes on that, so we'll, we'll go through that. But he's telling us to rejoice. Not only he tells us, but James tells us to count it all joy when we go through these difficult trials. The longer you stay, you need to know this about about fire. He's talking about fiery trials. Trials take time. Trials are not instant deliverances. Trials take time. If you get a speeding ticket, they give you a court date. Now they say if you want to speed it up, what do you have to do? You got to pay up. There you go. Got to pay up front. So if you don't want to wait and go to court and contest What's going on and possibly get it diminished or, or uh, get it relinquished, then you gotta pay up front. But the price must be paid. That's what they're trying to get you to see. You violated the law and the price must be paid. Now, are we going through trials because we did something wrong? Probably. Probably. Do you live without sin? You never do anything wrong? That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So don't be afraid. Now listen, let me get this straight. Don't be afraid that what's going on in your life has a real root in your behavior, your thinking, your faith, your this. Because if you're pure gold, there's no need for the fire. So don't be afraid to own it, okay? Because you may have to own it, confess it, and ask God for your deliverance. So let's not get cutesy here. Amen. You know it is. We're all born in sin, shaped in iniquity. We have a sin desire inside of us. Many of us all the time. Sometimes our biggest sin is wanting to get out the fire too soon. (laughs) so i say that to say this how you got there is not the problem 
It's not the issue. Get, that will get resolved over time. There we go. Miss Ingrid, you got it. Yes. It will get resolved over time. Everything you're anxious to find out will get resolved over time. It's not going to happen. (laughs) Yeah, really. Yeah, it's not going to happen immediately. It never does. Because we're not really that quick of a learner. If we were... You know, quick learners or a quick study, it'd be something different. But you're still going to have to endure time. I don't care how fast you learn. Well, God, I got that. (laughs) Good. There's more coming. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) The longer you stay in the heat, the hotter it gets. You need to know that. Amen. Think about it. You hit your hand on a hot stove, you pull it back real quick, don't you? Amen. Because if you don't, it's more painful. Amen. So you can remove your hand from the heat immediately and the pain is minimal. Amen. When you endure, you must turn to another source for relief instead of withdrawing yourself from difficulty. Let me just say that. If you had to leave your hand in the fire, withdrawal is not an option to you. In other words, walking away from the test is not an option. So if that's not an option for you to lessen the pain, you've got to find relief from some other source. Got me? So for the believer, your source for relief is God. The fruit of the Spirit will relieve you From the pain of waiting. The Bible says he bore our pains and carried our sufferings. So he knows the goal of the test. God's the only one who you can rely on to help you through this and give you the answers that you need. So he knows what he's after in that test that you're in. So we have to establish that we trust him. That must be established. Oh God, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. Okay, you're going to prove it. <laughs> you know, this is beyond your confession. It's so beyond. Amen. So we have to just understand that God wants to see some proof out of us. Mm. No. Uh, God, what proof do you need? What do I need to do? You ever do that? What do you want? What, 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 what did, what did I do wrong? Did I confess the word enough? Did I... Well, what he needs to see is that you trust him. Just go away, cut it out, go get back in your word, go do something spiritual. <laughs> We're always trying to find that one thing we can do to cause a test to be over. I'm ready for the final exam. Well, good. I'm not ready for you to take it yet. (laughs) So when we endure, we have to turn to another source for relief. And that source is God. And you even must trust him that he is not uh, punishing you for what you did wrong. 
See, that's a great tester for many people. See, if, if you don't, if you're not diligent to, you know, when these things come, to spend enough time in the word to get your mind renewed to the fact that it's not punishment and it's not happening because there's something you need to change to make it stop and all that kind of stuff. If you don't renew your mind to these things, that will prolong your difficulties with it. You won't get your comfort when God wants to give it to you. His peace will come when you make up your mind to think on those things that are good and pure and lovely. See, most most human minds want to get an answer and get it resolved and get it, you know. Now, God will help you in, to do some of those things to a degree. He'll He'll give you enough relief or deliverance, enough change to keep you encouraged that you can trust him. Because he doesn't want you to quit and walk away. But he will also prolong it till he gets what he wants out of you and gets more of him into you so you can be a greater service to him. He wants you to be a more value to him. The only way that happens is through the trials of God. You get you get what you you get from God through some somebody was I just I just marvel at people sometimes you know they'll they'll ask you things you know and they'll, well I I really want a, a healing ministry and yada 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 and they think you're going to give them a one word answer that's going to tell them what to do I said I wouldn't tell you I couldn't tell you where to begin. You know, I really couldn't. I can tell you that if you will seek God and follow him, he wants all of us to be anointed to heal the sick. You got me? And so, and if you'll continue to follow him, he'll give you miracles. He'll give you more power. He'll give you more. But see, most people quit seeking. That's why we flatten out. You understand what I'm saying? We might be able to get a headache done or we might be able to get this done or get that done. But we never press for the more. We get enough to satisfy us that we've been checked off for the day and we're okay with us. But we never seek God for what he wants out of us. And so he'll get what he wants out of us through the test. You wind up, you think to yourself, well, God, I really should have sought you for this if I knew this was what, <laughs> yeah, but you didn't. <laughs> we'll get it anyway. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, ah, you'll never escape the test, folks. You can't escape it. You can't escape it. So the source of your comfort must be God. The source of your everything must be God. You can't, you can't wiggle out of the test or think you can you know people like to uh do the uh um you know we used to cram in college you know stay up all night we used to call them um all-nighters and somebody said okay you gotta take these i took these pills and i was able to stay but it's just caffeine you know what i'm saying and so you take your little caffeine pills and go in with your eyeballs red and everything and you barely get a c or a B or whatever and you think to yourself, you know what? If I had studied throughout the semester, I wouldn't be in this shape that I'm in. Amen. And so there's no way to, I'm, all I'm saying is there's no way to rush to your final exam because there isn't one. 
There's no way to rush that. There isn't one. You just gotta stay with your, your, your trial. God knows all the little, the little cheat things that we want to do and he's already blocked them so you won't be able to do those things. So anyway, uh, God must be the source of your everything and this is how you prove you trust him. You let things go and you let him have it. He bore our pains and our sufferings. He knows the goal of the test. He's the only one who knows what he's after. So we must establish that we trust him and we must continue to trust him and we must increase how much we trust him. So he only determines the times and the seasons and we do not. So you have no control over the time or timing of the testing of God. Amen. Abraham was called of God at age 68 or thereabouts, wasn't quite 70, and, and, but he received the promise at age 99. So he had really here, was that a 30-year test, 31-year test? Joseph dreamed about his calling. He was really called at age 17, but he wasn't crowned until age 30. Amen. David was anointed at age 17. Now he actually had God's power on him on a continual basis. But he wasn't crowned until age 30. And so these testings of God, and and David is one of those people who would get out of one test and go right into another one. Get out of one, go right into another one. Joseph started out Passing the easy exams and then he got into a deeper test the closer he got to his goal or to God's goal for him. These people had no idea where they were going. They were just like us. We They had a promise just like we had a promise. But they had to leave, live every day consistently for God. On the days when they weren't consistent, they had to repent and get back to God, ask for forgiveness and get right back in the cut again, just like we do. And so they they were able to prove out God's faith. See, this is done for our benefit. The hard part has already been proven. We have, we have page upon page upon page of testimony of God's faithfulness to rely on and fall back on. So when I go and, and I think about Joseph, I think about, well God, I haven't been betrayed by my family. I have, I've been treated a little rough, but I treat them rough too. You understand? We get tit for tat sometimes in our little you know, corner of the world. But, but it's, it's been like normal interaction. But this is extreme. You understand what I'm saying? And so there are people who have been left for dead and God finds them and God redeems them and, and brings them out and, and, and they come out pure and, 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 don't smell like smoke and with a, a good testimony, you know, they don't, they don't go forward and, and continue to try to retaliate and get even with people and hurt people, even though they've been, some of them been deeply hurt. And there are some who do try to get even. You understand what I'm saying? And so, in, and that happens to people, but you can recover from that. You understand what I'm saying? There's no point where you can't recover from difficulties when God is in charge of your trial. Amen? So there's a process here that is universal throughout scripture. 
that cannot be ignored. And that is the trying of your faith. That's why you don't hear many people preach on it anymore. Because now I don't know about you, but when I do channel surfing, that's why I don't watch a lot of Christian television. It's just there's no depth to it. There's it's all about getting in more offerings and staying on television for whatever reason. You know, maybe they feel like they it's better than not having anything on there. But I'm telling you, it can be greatly improved and it can be greatly balanced because most people go through trials. This is the Christian life right here. And we need people who are experienced in helping us to know how to navigate, not through the easy parts of life, you know, the confess and possess thing, but through the difficulties of life that that may cause you to walk away. Because church buildings don't empty out because people love God. They empty out because people have been deceived into thinking that God's unjust and he's not faithful. You got me? And so we have to understand that when we we come into a knowledge of God and when we come into the things of God, that there are uh, some key elements that have to be understood. Or, or you know, we'll we'll get in a, a ship and go shipwreck and, and just barely salvage ourselves and then walk away. You got me? And so we have to understand that God wants us to continue in the faith consistently. Amen. So time we have established is necessary for proving. Time proves all things. Amen. It proves everything. What do I mean by that? When you make bread, there's a process that, and, and, and really I've seen people now use it, you know, not the way it was really, really meant to be used. But, but yeast bread, yeast has to be proven. So they'll say, proof the yeast. Why do you prove the yeast? And what is a proofing method when you make bread? Well, when you prove yeast, you mix your yeast, if it's dry yeast, you mix it. With a little what? Anybody made bread before and know how to prove? What kind of water? Okay. And what else? Okay. Alright. So you make, mix it with room temperature water. Hot water will kill it. Cold water won't activate it. So it must be room temperature lukewarm and sugar. Sugar nourishes the yeast. So what happens in the proofing process is that if you sit it for a length of time, the yeast will become active and cause that foam to rise on there and you'll know the yeast is alive. Now why do you want to know that? Well, if you're going to mix it with your good ingredients like your eggs and your flour, you don't want that to go to waste. So you proof it first to make sure that it's alive and active and worthy of the rest of your ingredients. If it doesn't rise in that little proofing room or proofing session, you just toss it out and find some fresh yeast because you don't want the whole thing to fail. It'll never rise if it doesn't rise in the proofing process. Just like us. You won't complete what God's given you to do if he doesn't test you. 
you they can't they can't make you into some i don't care if they put titles on you i don't care if they take you through ordinations and credentials that they will never make you something that god has not proven you out to be yet you understand what i'm saying the same thing is is whiskey whiskey is has to be proofed amen when they make whiskey how do you, you they even put it on the label it's either 80 proof 100 proof you can get rum that's 150 proof. Now what is the proof? The proof is double the alcohol content. So if it's 150 proof, it's 75% alcohol. How do you know that's what's in there? Well, you take a little bit of it and you light it up. See if it blazes. <laughs> and that's your proof. Amen. That's why the moonshiners would do it. Oh, this ain't right. This ain't right yet. This ain't moonshine yet. It ain't proofed. Huh? So what do you do? You put it back in and give it more. There you go. Miss Ingrid, you got it. <laughs> and give it more time. And you light it on fire again. And if it fires up the way you say it, they can tell by the, the color of the flame they can kill, tear by the duration of the time. They can even put it in a glass and see how it coats the glass or doesn't coat the glass to see what content it is. Maybe people who are real good at this can put it to all the proofs that you need to put it through in order to prove what's there. So if you've got to prove yeast and you've got to prove whiskey, everything has to be proven. If you plant a bunch of little gray seeds... You won't prove what they are until you give them time. (laughs) This Ingrid, you got a hundred percent so far. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? Everything takes time. Why do we as human beings fear it so much? Why do we resent it so much? We're always scared. Ah, before God does something for me, it's going to be years from now. Well, it will if you keep that confession up. And so what if it is? You see what I'm saying? We will begin to make time our Lord instead of making God our Lord. Once you really make God your Lord, time doesn't really count at all. You'll find that you care less about time than you do about anything else. Because God will bring time with him. He will extend more time. He will do what he says he's going to do. So everything takes time for the finished process. Amen. It takes time for the finished product. And it takes time to develop a quality product. Anybody ever gone and and had something done and and, uh, um, usually say like if it's a dry cleaners and they offer 24 hour service. You get that stuff home, you really inspect it. You say, man, 24 hours, what can you do in 24 hours? You know what I'm saying? A one-day service, that kind of stuff. And so we tend to, even as human beings, we don't like a rush job on things. We don't want things rushed. Oftentimes, if you're in a restaurant, you know, if if they bring it, you say, wow, they brought that out fast. It must have been sitting there. Huh? We're all suspicious of quickness, but we want everything to happen quick for us. Yeah. You're in your, your, your flesh man does, but your spirit man understands that it will take time. 
And, and, and that's always the best part of that, that you can allow your spirit to take over and you can allow the time thing to be settled because it's settled in the spirit. In the spirit, there's no time. There's only eternity. So then you become more aware of eternal things when you step into the spirit. And you are, and in fact, I'll tell people, I say, well, you're too concerned about how long it's going to take. You, you need to get in the spirit with this because that's where the waiting takes place. The price for anything is always paid with your spirit. It's not paid with your flesh. You, it won't avail you anything in the kingdom. Education goes on throughout life, but it takes time. Amen. A degree is attained over time. It's not, you know, what people say, we have a mail order school. Yeah, but you're going to have to take some time to read them things and take a test and send it back. Being a fast learner is a blessing, but it will not cancel out time as a requirement. James 1.3 tells us, let me find my my friend James. James 1, <laughs> verse 2, brethren, count it all joy when you fall into different temptations or various trials. Knowing this, now this is what you must know up front, because if you don't keep your mind on this up front, see, when you fall into a trial, going into it, you've got to know some things. And I believe that God won't get you into something that you can't get the knowledge or don't have the knowledge to be able to sustain you through. In other words, you're not in over your head in the trials of God. It's just time for them. That's all. I remember when I uh, had recovered uh, my mental health uh, from a nervous breakdown and I had begun to go to some Women's Aglow meetings, and that was one of the few places where you could go, uh, where they had spirit-filled ministry. You know, I mean, all the churches were Presbyterian, Baptist, yeah, nah, 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 nah. not many spirit-filled, not like it is now. You know, it was, they were hard to find. And I remember just praying and asking God, I said, God, can you find me a place where I can go where people believe in tongues and, and you know, it, you know, they teach the right things. And, and so I saw a flyer in a Christian bookstore. I just was paying for my stuff at the register and looked up and there was a flyer behind the counter posted on the wall. And so I said, oh, okay. So I wrote down the information and went and, and they would always have women, uh, ministering. It was a women's ministry and all of the women were, were gifted, uh, in, in uh, ministering by the Holy Ghost. And I remember, um, the first time I ever got a prophecy, um, uh, the the woman who was prophesying to me said, "Well, the Lord's telling me that uh, he has uh, he has he has plans for your life." And he said, "And you've been through the fire." <laughs> I'm thinking, "Yeah, I was going through the fire, and I wasn't even quote unquote uh, in the church. I wasn't quote the fire started when I was a sinner. I got saved in the midst of it, but I'm telling you." You're, it's not unfair to you. You're not over your head. You're not enduring something that's so unique and unusual because people who don't even know God, you know, and find him get tried on what they know. And you got to be tried. See, I came into the kingdom trusting God. 
because I didn't have anybody, church people around me, crazy church people to tell me their stories about why I couldn't trust him. When I got involved with church people, I found out that you were in a minefield of unbelief, of doubt, of bad experiences that people were willing to share with you. I had to learn very early how to ask God to lead me and how to filter out conversations that I heard from people. And so when you get involved in things, you have to know that your life period is a trial. Amen. And so I remember the words that she said. She said, God has said you've been to the, through the fire because he needed to burn away some things from your life that he could not use. And I never forgot that. And I thought to myself, I said, God, you mean there's things he said? Oh, absolutely. He said, the things of the flesh I cannot use. He said, the things that you think are, are, um, make you important, I cannot use those things. All of those things he cannot use. But he does that to brand new believers, folks. So when James says, count it all joy, By the time you're a believer, you need to understand that it is going to work for your good. It's not worth mentioning what you go through and what you don't have and what you've been waiting on and how long it's taking. It's not worth anything. Amen. What's worth it is to hold on to God. So time, in order to endure time and in order to uh, let time work for you, You have to adopt different fruit of the Spirit to help you through this experience of the testing. And one of them is patience. And James talks about that. He says, knowing this, and this is what you must know, that the testing of your faith causes patience to work for you. So the testing of your faith puts patience to work for you. Without patience, it's going to be hard to endure. If you don't lean into the fruit of patience. See, the patience is more than just a feeling of calmness or a feeling of of don't worry about it. Patience is a spiritual fruit that grows in you the more you yield to it. And the only way you get it is through the trial. You you get things that you need. Amen. So patience you need because you need to endure until the Lord takes you home. And so you have to have the kind of endurance in you that's going to keep you. If you get saved young, it's going to have to keep you 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years. If you get saved in the middle of your life, it's going to have to keep you 30, 40 years. And so God designs the challenges, the tests and the trials so that you will make patience your friend. Instead of... Being upset all the time and say, oh, I need patience. I need, no, you, you just need to get in the word. You know, patience will come when you really need it. It's not something you grab when you, you know, just a little covering or a blanket that you can get when you want it. But time takes patience. He says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith puts patience to work for you or it works patience. Let patience have her maturing or perfecting work that you may be perfect and entire lacking nothing 
So the reason we're impatient, upset, wanted to happen first is because we lack some things. You know what I'm saying? Because you're lacking. You're upset because you're lacking. You're upset because you need something. You're upset because something's missing. And so God wants you to know that patience matures you. And patience really is a sign of a mature believer. We always think you'll see patience in older people. That's the first thing that comes to your mind or to mine most times is that it's a fruit that you see. Oh, yeah, the older you get, the more patience you get. No, the more trials you can have patience in your heart as a young believer because you've gone through trials. Amen. I remember listening to a, a young Asian woman. Um this was a lot of years ago. She, uh, uh, she was giving her testimony and, and she was saying that, uh, she had, I think she had maybe escaped Vietnam or something like that and she was maybe a young, young woman by then in her teens or twenties and she was talking, giving her testimony and sharing. She had been, uh, been captured, her family was captured by the Viet Cong. And she was raped by soldiers when she was maybe like starting at age three and so forth. And her, her female organs were so damaged and distorted that they told her she would never have children, you know. And she was saying, she said, you know, I, I've prayed about this. I've lived for God. I was so thankful that I came. I think she was in America at that time. I came to this country and, and God saved me and got to know me and, she said, and I love my, my, uh, uh, Pentecostal and my charismatic brothers and sisters and, and they tell me that, oh, I should believe God for children and I should confess this. And she said, and I just so appreciate their concern to me. She said, but, she said, God has already assured me that I will be a mother one day. You understand me? In other words, what she's saying is I've got something and I've endured enough that I don't need to adopt some new method to try to get God to do something for me. He's already, you see, that's what patience does. It matures you to the point that you're not anxious. See, she's telling people her experience and they're scared for her. And they want her to pick up their anxiety and their fear. And she's refusing to do it because she's already got faith in her heart way beyond what they can understand. See, the, many people think faith comes and, and God does things because you do something like he's a slot machine. He's not no slot machine. And we find that out through the testing. Amen. You're not going to shortcut that test by coming up with a gimmick that you picked up from your, your so-called spirit-filled friends who don't know God as much as you do. That's a typical sign of immaturity in a Christian. Is there a lack of patience and confidence in somebody else's faith? If somebody's got faith, leave them alone. There's nothing you can add to that. If you don't understand why they believe the way they do and, and you think they ought to believe different, leave them alone anyway. People know how to ask for your help when they want it. You don't force help on people. So time takes patience and perseverance. Amen. You're going to have to have that knowing this, that the testing of your faith works something in you. Things must be worked in us. They can't be always imparted or given or absorbed or however we think we did it.
He says, but if any of you lack wisdom, what does that have to do with knowing this? Because you, you need to know these things. Let him ask of God to give men liberally and upbraid them not, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Amen. So, so when you waver and you ask for things, James says, don't think you're going to get anything from God. If your faith is still wavering, maybe you need to just ask for the patience you need to endure the trial. At the end of the trial will be everything you need. Faith will be cool. (laughs) But he says, if you count it all joy. Now, what do you need to do that? Why does joy need to come into the picture? You're already leaning into the fruit of patience. Faith works by love. We are, we are assuming you keep short accounts with God. You're not mad at nobody. You're not trying to get even no, and show nobody nothing. You know? So joy is consistent with outcome and not process. Joy is consistent with the outcome. Or the granting of the promise and not the process. So if you can place joy in the process, then that shows God your faith for the outcome is there. If you can move the fruit that you would expect to receive at the end of the journey, in the middle of the journey... Guess what that does to God? That shows him that you believe you're going to get there. If you can rejoice about something before you get it, that shows him you believe you're going to get it. If you can thank him for something before it shows up, that shows that you, that proves to him you believe it's going to get there. So any fruit you can partake of before you get there shows God that you believe you're going to get there. So if you keep joy in the midst of trial, that joy will carry you through as though you have it already and the trial won't be as fiery to you. So we're given the fruit of the Spirit to sustain us through process instead of waiting at the end of the process to get it. The Bible says that Jesus endured because of the joy that was set before him. He was expecting to rejoice over the fact that he had defeated the devil on our behalf. And that's what made him go through Calvary. That's what made him go through all the... He saw himself already rejoicing over us. And that's how he was able to endure the cross, despising the shame. And it sat him at the right hand of the Father. And you can do the same thing. You can endure the trial and despise the shame. You can despise you know everything that goes with it. You understand what I'm saying? Devil's trying to make you think you weren't a good parent, or make you think you didn't do this right. What you think you didn't do that right? All that kind of what kind of Christian are you? Count it all joy. It's counted all joy. Amen. It's counted all joy. Your joy is consistent with outcome, not process. Process is not pleasant, though not defeating. It must merely be endured. And you can endure it better 
in the spirit. You can do endure it better with the spirit. Joy is always the wine of the overcomer. Amen. It's the champagne of the overcomer. <laughs> Amen. It's the highest that you can get in the fruit of the spirit. Because it elevates you above the battle. It elevates you above the devil's elements. It elevates you. It puts you in a higher place. Joy always does. Amen. I remember when God began to have me laugh at certain things. And at first I was a little scared. I was laughing. I said, boy, that ain't funny. You know. And then I realized he was giving me that to help me get through different challenges. And so I've always kept that as my my liberator, you know. Uh, and, and you know what, to be honest with you, I just don't see things in the tragedy some people see them, you know. It's just like, well, come on now, seriously, <laughs> you know. I'll say that to people, but I can, it be, and see what happens is, I've found that if, if joy comes in, it's like a repellent for doubt, fear, unbelief, everything else. And I can tap into answers from God a lot faster because of it. You know, it's like people will say things like, well, uh, um, you know, I want you to pray with me about so-and-so and such-and-such. And I say, well, let's pray now. i see if God has a word for you. Really? You understand? And it's not so much it's a gift gift. Because gifts do have to be turned on by the Holy Spirit. But if you can keep keep yourself steeped in enough spiritual fruit that your fruit, your spirit is healthy and strong enough to pull from God, you can get answers right away. I mean, it won't, you won't languish in confusion and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and God knows I believe in fasting, but I ain't real good at it. (laughs) You know, obviously, you know, (laughs) but you know what I'm saying? It, and so it helps me to develop, you know, and keep my my soul and my spirit bathed in certain fruit of the spirit. And joy is one of them. Amen. You know, I mean, seriously, if you can can count everything joy. And I'm not saying things won't stun you for a minute or catch you off guard or anything like that. But but you can still count it all joy. You can turn it over when you add up all the negative things that are coming against you and you draw the line. Once it's added up, you still have J-O-Y underneath the bottom line. I mean, that's always your bottom line is joy. Amen. I found that if you laugh at the devil, he flees faster. You, it, it becomes a, it becomes a serpent repellent for you. <laughs> like scares devils away. Amen. Because he's not expecting that. Amen. He's expecting his words to penetrate and, and cause you some discomfort and cause you some pain. But if he sees that that shield is there, that joy is already guarding your heart, it's already penetrating his armor. Then he would, he knows he has no, no power over you. And you can endure with joy. You got me? You, you can endure, uh, because joy is always there for you. You know, you, 
think of something funny or something stupid or, you know, whatever, you know. I know I was talking to, to Pastor Shirley about something, and one of my comments when uh, she was telling me about something, I said, you know, them people do each other dirty. I said, it shouldn't do that. And, you know, we just laughed about it. And even though they were, it was a messed up situation. What am I going to do, jump in there and get upset about it? No, I'm going to laugh. I said, them people shall do each other dirty, don't they? They shouldn't do that. Let's pray. You understand what I'm saying? You move on into... The end result. You don't stay in process all the time. You just have to keep it moving. Amen. Jesus kept it moving. People tried to kill him and throw him off a cliff. And the Bible says he passed right through the midst of them. So he had to have disguised himself or made himself appear different. Hmm? And probably had a good laugh when he got where he was going. Huh? I mean, some things really are funny, Lord. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Christians need to get over themselves and get into being overcomers themselves and cut this nonsense out, man. Let the people in the world have all the doldrums and the, you know, they think the world's going to end in 12 years. They got some poor little, you know, autistic girl going around preaching for them and all this crazy stuff. And I mean, when they start bringing out, you know, uh, dis, dis, disabled children, it's pretty desperate. You know, they shouldn't do that to that girl. And then you got people all over the world hating on her. See, that's a setup of the devil. Because not everybody believes that nonsense. I know I don't. They've been saying the world's going to end since I was a kid. Huh? Or I was, we went to school. We had bomb shelters. We had the, uh, the, the drills. Remember those drills we'd have? And they take you down the basement and everybody hid under the steps and stuff. Um, I remember sirens going off since, well, after the war. And then it was the Martians were coming and landing and everything. And now it's, it's man's killing, killing up the earth, you know. Well, I can say they're right about one thing. We're killing it through sin. But it has not when we can't correct it through just not, you know, having cars and stuff. Come on now. The people who are preaching it the most are arriving everywhere in jets. That uh <laughs> those uh yeah, the the what do you call it? World world summit on uh, the ones they have in Switzerland, Davos, Switzerland. They had to get two airports. All the world leaders came in private jets. They had like some 180 jets out there. I don't even know if they had 180 countries represented. But they're come to talk about global warming and and cutting down your carbon footprint. And they all in uh, they can't even pick each other up in one jet. They uh, come private jets. Hypocrites. The hypocrisy is amazing. All right, Hebrews 12. That'll be our last one. Fiery trials are not pleasant when you're in it, but in the end they yield a peaceable fruit of righteousness. It's peace at the end, amen. The trial won't last all the time, but you got to be tried. You can't get out of it, but there's a yield at the end of it. And and you don't want to not have your yield, amen. 
You don't want to have you not have your bread at the end of proofing everything. You don't want to have not have your, your whiskey, I guess, at the end of, of your proofing of that. You want the yield. It says, no chastening for the present time seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to them which are exercised thereby. Therefore, lift up your hands and hang down a feeble knees. In other words, don't act like you're going to collapse. Get rid of the long face. Quit cutting, cutting up over here. Because of what, oh, I'm, God's putting me through something. No, he's putting everybody through. We just don't all smell the smoke. That's all. So they yield a peaceable fruit. That's what you want. So as time passes, the peaceable fruit is is established. People will say how much you've grown. But that's none of their business. Amen. But people said, you know, Christians, we're real arrogant. Sometimes we want to judge people. You sure have changed from the way you use. Anybody ever tell you something like that? Uh huh. It's not a compliment. It's a judgment because it's not their business. The change that that the only change you're looking for is what God says you have. He's the only one you have to prove. You're not here for people to tell you how much you've grown and how wonderful you, who are they to judge? They should be trying to watch their own little, little red wagon, as my mom used to say. But, but God wants us folks to, to know time is on your side. Don't, don't look at time as your enemy. It's on your side because it's going to yield some great things in the end. Amen. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you and we bless you and we praise you. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for everything that you've done to help us understand that we can be patient through trial. We can be patient through tribulation. We can endure so that the peaceable fruit that we can grow thereby, we won't lack anything. We'll have everything of the spirit that we need. And so thank you, Father, for the endurance factor in Jesus' name. Amen. I praise God.